0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers shut down Derrick Henry and beat the Tennessee Titans, answering a few big questions. Did I read that right? They shut down Derrick Henry. Let's see. Yep. They shut down Derrick Henry. It actually happened. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Muirdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. I'd predicted the Packers would win this game. I felt pretty good about their chances to be able to at least tilt this game in their favor. This was not what I expected. I did not expect domination on offense, dominant performance on defense, and a 40-14 to 14 Packers win. Look, what else do you want? The Packers offense scored six touchdowns five of them came on drives of 60 yards or more. Derek Henry, 98 yards on 23 carries along of 10. Ryan Tannehill, 11 completions on 24 attempts. This game was essentially meaningless. The big question before the game was whether or not the Packers would have the opportunity to lock up the number one seed coming into this game, thanks to some things that happened outside of this game that didn't come to pass. So ultimately, this game had nothing to do with their playoff seeding, So how would the Packers come out? Would they come out understanding that they essentially didn't have anything to play for? How would they respond? And the answer was they beat the snot out of the Tennessee Titans. Growing up, one of the things that always, I guess, felt like a truism as a fan was the Packers play in cold weather. Therefore, they are used to cold weather and playing in the snow and will beat teams that are not used to playing in cold weather. Broadly speaking, that really usually isn't the case. Kind of the prime example of that comes in the 2002 playoffs with Michael Vick running all over the Packers at Lambeau Field in a very cold game. I don't know if you know this, but the Atlanta Falcons are a dome team. And Michael Vick, like the ultimate, what you would think, prototype dome quarterback, you know, fast track, the George Dome play on the Astro Turf, run around, do all the things that Michael Vick did. Then he comes and does it at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. But this game actually felt like the real life playing out of that, that idea we all feel like we have. The Packers should be used to playing in the cold because they do it all the time. They should be used to playing in the elements because they have to all the time. But this year they haven't really played that well in the elements. And was, so it was a big question as to whether or not the Packers would be able to play well when they had to do that, and they did. They did exactly what they needed to do. They got out to a big lead early, kind of took the Titans' running game away from them, and cruised from there. Solid win, great win, and I think this answers some big questions people have had about the Green Bay Packers. Three good things from this game. First and foremost, Devontae Adams is an alien. He does whatever you need him to do. I wonder if there's ever really been a better receiver, at least in the Packers annals, who's not really a deep threat. And Devontae Adams, don't get me wrong, he can go deep. It's just that deep speed isn't really his forte. He's got to beat a guy off the line with a move and create space that way. He doesn't really run away from anybody. But the intermediate routes, the short routes, the degree of difficulty on his catches, it's just unbelievable. Gets three touchdowns today, 100-plus yards, 10-plus catches. Again, I don't know what, what to say. You run out of superlatives, so let's just talk about facts. This was the fifth time he's had more than one touchdown in a game this season. This was the seventh time he's had more than 100 yards, and the fifth time he's had 10 or more receptions in a game. Devontae Adams is going to beat whoever you put across from him. And he beat everybody the Titans threw at him tonight. Second real good thing I liked in this game was balance. So my theory of balance, I think, is different than most. It's worth recapping here, though. The theory is not that you do the same number of runs as passes. The point is being able to succeed at both things. And tonight was about as close to perfect balance as you can get. The Packers didn't take a lot of deep shots, but they did everything they needed to in the passing game. They were also able to succeed in the running game. And as great as A.J. Dillon was tonight, he succeeded, I think, in large part because of the offensive line. A lot of his carries, he wasn't touched until he was two or three yards downfield. And once he has a head of steam going, I mean, good luck. But the Packers showed they can do everything. Run with power, you've got A.J. Dillon. Run with speed to the edge, you've got Aaron Jones. If you do need to go deep, Equinemius St. Brown is there for some reason. Everything else in the passing game, you've got Devontae Adams. That is a balanced offense. It's an offense that can attack a wide variety of ways, and they showed that tonight. Let's talk about the defense for a second. The Titans came in with the top scoring offense in the league and left with 14 points. And look, weather was a factor. You can't say it wasn't a factor. It affected what the Titans did, it affected the plays they could call, it affected how they executed those plays. But you know what else was a factor in the game today? the game plan. Packers came out with heavy fronts, they got to the ball in in a hurry when Derrick Henry was carrying it, and they got a hand on the ball all the time. By one count I saw the Packers got a, a hand on eight of Ryan Tannehill's 11 incompletions. They had 10 different pass breakups in this game. Two different players had three. That's pretty incredible. On top of that, need pressure getting to the quarterback? Five quarterback hits and two sacks. Need good defense in the secondary? Two interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Need good run defense? Well, we got that as well. We talked a lot about the Titans' efficiency on offense, and it became very clear that their efficiency was predicated on being able to move the ball on the ground consistently. Because when you have an offensive line that can't pass protect, and you have to run your long-developing play-action plays in situations where you need 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 yards, you're going to be in trouble a lot. And the Titans were in trouble a lot. I want to spend a brief second talking about a couple bad things. These are very small things, but they are small flies in the ointment here. We had two bad Aaron Rodgers decisions that could have hurt the Packers against a team that was more ready to play than the Titans. The Packers had 10 drives, tonight. Two were ended by the half, so we can basically throw those out. One was Neil Downs at the end, one they took over with 37 seconds left in the in the second quarter. So not real drives there. Of the eight real ones, then, they scored six touchdowns, and the other two were ended by weird decisions by Aaron Rodgers. The first was taking a sack on a fourth and three play in the second quarterback quarter. That felt like the start of the mid-game offensive swoon we see so often. It didn't end up going that way for the Packers. But for second, it felt like, oh boy, is this the start of things? Turned out to not be. The second was the interception. Very uncharacteristic play for Aaron Rodgers. Late throw over the middle, scrambling to his right, throwing across his body. I would expect that from Brett Favre, not so much from Aaron Rodgers. Ultimately, didn't matter. Packers forced to punt anyway. As it stands, Aaron Rodgers had a passer rating of merely 128.1. And really, the only difference that that interception made was that his passer rating would have been 144.8. He also appeared to have a fumble on a snap. But again, we are nitpicking here. Please do not think we are missing the forest for the trees. The other thing, this is as much an embarrassment as anything. The Ryan Tannehill touchdown... If any team should have a historical understanding of the read option, it is the Green Bay Packers. I will not ask you to think at length about the 2012 playoffs, but nevertheless, they were introduced to it to an extreme degree in that game. This is an entirely different team than that, of course. Obviously, it's different coaches, different players, blah, blah, blah. But still, it just stings a little bit to see Ryan Tannehill take off on a read option play and go the distance for a touchdown. Ultimately, though, this is a great win. Unfortunately, it's technically meaningless because it doesn't do that much for the Packers in their standings. Well, it doesn't do anything for them for that matter. But, but I think we need to pull back a little bit on the idea of the game being entirely, entirely meaningless because the Packers did answer, I think, several big questions. First, can they win in the elements? That's been a real problem for the Packers at several points this year. And they proved, yes, they can. They can pass it. They can run it. They can do everything they need to do to move the ball. Furthermore, can they avoid those mid-game offensive slumps that have plagued them so often? And I think the answer, at least from tonight's game, is yes. After that turnover on downs in the second quarter, the Packers had one drive that was ended by the half. Then to start the second half, they go three plays, 66 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 69 yards, touchdown. The Aaron Rodgers interception on the next play, or on the next drive. And then after that, nine plays, 91 yards for a game-sealing touchdown. These are not insignificant questions about the Packers. And a sample size of one, they provided some answers tonight. So what happens next? Week seventeen is up next. Due to flex scheduling, it looks like the Packers will be kicking off in the afternoon as they take on the Bears in Chicago. I just cannot escape the afternoon kicks. Can't win them all, I guess. The Bears have a little bit a legitimate shot at the playoffs here, so there is more to this game than just the Packers getting the number one seed. This is going to be a real real contest here. The Bears don't have a great shot at making the playoffs, but it's at least theoretically possible that they get in. And uh, with the Bears trying to figure out what they do with Mitchell Trubisky, and I guess by extension, Matt Nagy and the rest of their front office, this is not an insignificant game for them. The Packers need a win on their side to get the number one seed. Theoretically, it seems they could do it without, I guess... You'd rather not end your season with a loss to the Bears, having just come off this big, important-seeming win over the Titans. I think there's a good chance the Packers are going to win. I like my chances against the Bears, uh, though they do have some formidable aspects to them as well. Let's not leave it up to that. Let's have the Packers come out and play like they did against the Titans today and uh, lock up that number one seed. Some thoughts and observations before we call it a night on this one. First and foremost, here's a stat that you're going to like. We are somehow, unbelievably, over $1,400 in our fundraiser for the Adrian Amos I'm Still Here Foundation. This is so far beyond my wildest dreams. I just don't really even know what to say about it people from all over the world have been contributing to this and if you're still on the fence, I understand. Um if you if you have any doubt at all about it, go ahead and just don't contribute, no pressure at all. If you contribute any amount though, could be a dollar, could be $1000, you are going to be entered into our drawing for a Green Bay Packers jersey. Uh you have until the 31st of December, so we're getting right down there to that, but we've crossed the $1400 mark. I hoped that we would get to 250 so that I could give somebody a jersey right now we're at a lot of jerseys unfortunately I've only got the one to give away but everybody has been absolutely phenomenal and I'm so proud of everybody who has listened and contributed and uh, if you're still thinking about doing it you still have some time boy special teams was an adventure tonight wasn't it both teams Uh, kickoffs sure were interesting and I'm glad the Packers didn't ultimately have to punt I don't know why this was. The Packers kicked every point after touchdown from the right hash, the left hash, as you're looking at it on your TV. It's the right hash for the kicker. I don't know why. It didn't seem to be a win thing because they did it at both ends of the stadium. Maybe Crosby just felt a little bit better kicking from that side, and I couldn't quite see what happened on his missed PAT. Um, I'm inclined to give him a bit of a pass in the elements, being what they were, but still, not great to miss that that PAT but interesting that um that they kicked from from one side rather than right down the middle as is traditional on that long scramble that Aaron Rodgers had where he went all the way to the left sideline then all the way back to the far sideline he ran 77 yards on that five yard scramble so that is the got to be one of the longest investments to gain the least uh that number current uh, courtesy of NFL next gen stats as reported by Seth Walder of ESPN. But 77 yards worth of scrambling for five yards down the field. That's what they talk about when they they say they want guys to get north and south as opposed to east and west. Nevertheless, uh, Equinemius St. Brown scored his very first touchdown of his career, the very first one, uh, and it's part of his long road back. I still don't know where he fits in with the Packers' long-term plans at receiver uh, ultimately, that we may not need to have an answer there, but he scored his first touchdown tonight, and he did it in some style, too. It came against former All-Pro safety Kevin Byard of the Titans. So, bonus points there for Equinemius St. Brown. Other than Tim Boyle, every player who carried the ball for the Packers today had at least one explosive run. And I don't know in my charting if I've ever come across anything like that. Uh, in the time that we've been doing this. That is pretty unusual. I had A.J. Dillon for four on his own, just in my quick game notes, maybe more than that, could also be less, but he had a phenomenal game and he was getting yards in big chunks. Devontae Adams, also a big game you may have heard, perhaps on this very podcast. In fact, his first two touchdowns came against Doria Jackson. They mentioned on the broadcast that he has not played the, much this season. Boy, were they underselling at. This was just the second game this year that Jackson got snaps On defense. He's only played in three games now. He had only played 27 snaps on defense prior to this week. He played 27 snaps all in last week. He has been hurt so far for most of this year. The way things went for him tonight, uh, he may be back on the injured list with some hurt feelings or something like that. Uh, The broadcast, I thought, was phenomenal tonight, not because of the announcers, though I do love me some Al Michaels. He is probably my single favorite. Play-by-play announcer, uh, but the sound was phenomenal. The on-field miking was just incredible. It was unlike anything I've heard in, in any Packers game so far this season. Not just the uh, the the center quarterback miking, which is something that every that has every team in the league every game. The centers on both teams are mics so you can hear some of the stuff going on, the chatter. That's how all those Aaron Rodgers audibles get picked up. But also the sideline parabolic mics. We're getting a lot of great stuff from the field. It was noteworthy how much stuff they were picking up. And it was just added some interesting flavor to the game. Speaking of interesting flavor, Chris Collinsworth had a bit of a rough outing tonight. Um, normally we don't talk super at length about announcers anymore, but he was kind of out of left field on a couple of weird calls that he had. First and foremost, on the touchdown run that Ryan Tannehill had, he kept wanting to call it a play-action run. It's a read option. And it was especially weird to hear that after the read option craze a couple years ago, every quarterback run that an announcer saw, well, it must be a read option. It was just what they assumed it was. And, of course, it wasn't always that, but that's just what they called it because they were supposed to be seeing those things, and they believed they were seeing read options. He called it play-action several times. He also called A.J. Dillon, A.J. Williams. Uh, which would be an interesting combination. I'm picturing A.J. Dillon with, uh, well, tremendous dance moves and long dreadlocks, which would be very fun to see. As to an actual game observation, the Packers did something very interesting on a couple of plays in the second half with their safeties. So we know Mike Patton loves his three safety looks, right? Uh, He loves to get defensive backs on the field, and one of the ways that he does that is playing multiple safeties, Uh, since they have such diverse skill sets, and he really maximized those on a couple plays in the second half. He dropped uh, Adrian Amos down into the box, had him play as a traditional linebacker. He does that dime linebacker type thing with safeties a lot. He had Darnell Savage as kind of an intermediate range free safety. Uh, Sometimes they call that the robber position, not a deep safety, more of just a reading the quarterback's eyes in the middle of the field, and then the deep safety was Vernon Scott, the seventh-round pick. Scott, I I thought, actually had a a couple noteworthy plays in this game, took on uh, Derrick Henry one-on-one in a hole once. Uh, He brought him down. He may have taken the brunt of the hit, but he brought him down, which is the point of it. Um, I mean, people will talk about getting posterized in a tackle or whatever, which is true to a certain extent, but ultimately the goal is to bring him down, and that's what he did, so good for him there. He's proven to be a pretty solid contributor as a rookie seventh-round pick. That tackle and then the look that the Packers were able to execute with the three safeties there, uh, another example. My favorite part of this game probably was Alan Lazard on A.J. Dillon's second touchdown run, giving him an assist on the Lambeau leap. First showing him, hey, best way to do it is to come over here. This is where you're going to get the best leaping spot. And then actually helping him up into the stands when he slipped on the snow on the top of the wall, which was uh, just pleasing on a number of levels. Unable to get up onto the wall uh, for who knows how many different reasons. And then um, getting the help from Alan Lazard. Another interesting note, and this just occurred to me as we're talking about Chris Collinsworth, he says that he has attempted the Lambeau Leap at Lambeau Field. Well, it wasn't as a player because his playing career ended in 1988, and the Lambeau Leap wasn't a thing then. And unless he was doing it as a road player at Lambeau Field, he didn't get an opportunity to do it then. So when was he attempting this Lambeau Leap? Was it as a broadcaster? Because he's in his 50s now. He's 61, actually. He's in his 60s. So unless he's running around on the field attempting Lambeau Leaps, as someone in his late 50s, a former uh presumably multiple time injured professional football player running around attempting Lambeau leaps, Uh, maybe a little bit skeptical of that story. Still, he does have a point that wall is a lot higher than you'd think. And uh, I would not want to be caught attempting a Lambeau leap because it would probably go even worse than AJ Dillon's did. We'll finish on this. According to ESPN, AJ Dillon is apparently the youngest player in Packers history, to compile 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns in the same game. The other two, one name you might know, one name you probably will. In 2005, Sam Congato, on his birthday, broke that mark, 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns. And then in 1999, a guy who for a very brief time was my favorite Packers player, DeMond Parker, 22 years, two, 346 days old, uh, crossed 100 yards, crossed 100 yards, and scored two touchdowns. AJ Dillon, though, did it today, technically yesterday as we record this, at age 22 and 239 days. Just a youngster, and it appears a bright future ahead of him. What are your thoughts about this game? I would love to hear them wherever you are listening to this show. Send them to me, email, Facebook, Twitter, uh, going outside your house and just. yelling real loud we've encouraged that a couple times it still has not resulted in any takes making their way to me but I remain hopeful Uh, email probably the best one also continue to send me your donation receipts uh, via email if you would like to be considered for our jersey drawing get them in by December 31st and you will be a part of that drawing as always if you enjoyed this show if you think somebody else would benefit from hearing it as well do me a favor share it encourage people to interact, help us all continue to level up our Packers knowledge. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.